0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Inside ND Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler James, and I'm joined for the very first time by Kyle Kelly. Together, we cover Notre Dame football, recruiting, and more for insidendsports.com, Rivals Network. With a lot of recruiting and baseball coverage this week, I couldn't get on the same schedule with Eric Hansen, but we still wanted to deliver a podcast for you. Um, And it's a perfect time for Kyle to make his Inside ND Sports Podcast debut because recruiting season is in full swing. Uh, For those who are unaware, Kyle is our lead recruiting reporter for Inside Indie Sports um, and has been working for us for a handful of months now. Um, the Irish are hosting camps, official visitors and unofficial visitors all June long. And the news of the moment, of course, is Thursday night's commitment from 2024 quarterback CJ Carr. Carr is the grandson of former Michigan head coach Lloyd Carr. He's a six foot three, 180-pound prospect from Celine, Michigan. And rivals ranks him as the number three pro style quarterback in number 2022, or excuse me, number 22 overall in the 2024 class. Uh, Kyle, you've seen CJ Carr throw in person a couple times now and as recently as Sunday's Irish Invasion. How big of a recruiting victory do you think this is for the Irish?
1: I, I think it's massive. Uh, you know, first off, uh, the thing that really sticks out to me is when they were able to land this commitment. I mean, there's still a year and a half from the early signing period beginning in the 2024 class. So, I, I mean, this is going to be huge for Notre Dame from a recruiting aspect. And this is something that CJ Carr mentioned to me, you know, on our phone call uh, before he made his commitment public. He, he said that one of the primary just dis- reasons he wanted to lock this decision in was to begin recruiting Notre Dame's 2024 class and I think you're kind of seeing that similarly to Ohio State right now with uh, Dylan Riola, who committed in the 2024 class he kind of shared the a similar sentiment and and following him on social media he's very active uh, in recruiting both the 2023 and 2024 classes for Ohio State uh, with CJ Carr I mean he literally told me he's like you know, as soon as they give me their, their list, I'm going to be reaching out to every single one of those guys. And, and I certainly think that's going to be uh, his mindset moving forward. Kind of one thing I, that really stands out about CJ Carr is I first met him in Obitz, Ohio at uh, Fortress Obits, which was the Under Armour uh, next camp in mid-March And he was wearing a Wisconsin beanie, which I thought was a little ironic because obviously he's the grandson of Lloyd Carr, the former Michigan head coach. Both his parents went to Michigan. And, you know, doing my research on CJ, I talked to him afterwards. And the first question I asked him, I said, you already know you're going to get it. uh, But why could you see yourself in a Notre Dame helmet instead of a winged helmet? And he he immediately said Tommy Reese, and for the last you know three months, I think that relationship between the two has really strengthened, and that is kind of what has propelled CJ's commitment to Notre Dame. In, in terms of watching him throw, um, I think there's a lot of lot to like about him. He he's got a really good frame. Uh, rivals list him as six uh, already 180 pounds. I think he may even be a little taller than. And six 6'3". That's kind of just judging off uh, seeing Jack Larson's 6'3 <laughs> height at the Irish Invasion. But I think CJ, he's uh, you know he's already got a, a really good frame. I mean, this is a kid that has only started pretty much one season at, at the varsity level in high school through 28 touchdowns, only four interceptions last year. Uh, the one thing when I was watching some of his highlights that stuck out is he – he throws well on the run. And I I think when looking at CJ Carr, you didn't really expect him to be some like incredible athlete, like compared to some of these other uh, top high school recruits in the class, but he, he was really, really creative on the run. I thought that that was unique, but I, I really think just the most important recruiting part of this for Notre Dame is just, when they're getting him in the class. I mean, there, there's so much time left to recruit. Uh, I mean, he's the third commit in the class. I, most of the 2024 guys probably haven't even thought about a commitment yet, and now Notre Dame has got Carr locked in.
0: Yeah, I, I, it was fun watching him Sunday at the camp going through the various drills that Tommy Reese puts quarterbacks through and stepping over bags and moving side to side and then throwing to a target, which is usually just a guy standing there. Um, and sometimes a lesser quarterback wouldn't necessarily put the ball right where it needs to be, but he was putting it right on, right on the, the, I think it was a a Notre Dame staff member or a manager of some sort that was catching passes. And he was putting the ball right, right on the money to that person. Um, that person didn't have to, to take a couple steps one way or the other, or jump to catch the pass very often. It was, it was right at, at, uh, that target when CJ was throwing in the various ways that Tommy Reese was asking him to do it. And I don't know what CJ's normal routine or workout is, but I, I can't imagine it's exactly the same as what Tommy Reese was giving him. So it was sort of like, this is Tommy Reese putting him through this uh, procedure, maybe for the first time. And he sort of didn't really flinch at it and was doing it very well. And then obviously that sort of extended to, the one-on-one reps that he was doing with the wide receivers and tight ends and running backs at the camp. Um, and those are guys that, I mean, those aren't his high school teammates. So it's not like he goes through workouts with them regularly and he seemed to be on the same page as them. I talked to Jack Larson earlier this week, uh, a 2024 tight end recruit that Notre Dame is targeting. And he, he was saying, yeah, CJ is awesome. He put the, he put the ball exactly where he wanted it to. Um, and he said it was fun catching passes for him. So yeah, I, he seems to be um, sort of everything that you Notre Dame would have, Asked for in terms of a quarterback prospect, uh, he he's accurate, he's efficient, um, he's mobile enough to to pick up yards or escape the pocket um, with his feet. I don't think uh, the running game is going to be a major part of his game, but I think you sort of have to respect his ability to to make plays with his feet um, and, and uh, get uh, pick up yards when needed. or If it's a third down and, and pick up a couple yards if on a scramble if if needed, so. Um he seems to have the intangibles you want to, a very good kid uh, like you mentioned with the recruiting aspect he he wants to get after it and and, and bring others along with him. so um, definitely someone who will be seen as a leader in the twenty twenty four class and um, a big recruiting win for for notre Dame to get to get him in the class um, and uh sort of Steal the attention and conversation away from from 2023 quarterback target Dante Moore, uh, who I think people instantly have questions about. Now I know someone, uh, Matt Ro- Matthew Rogers at Matts Rogers on Twitter submitted a question for the podcast. I figured we could include uh, some of the questions that were C.J. Carr or Dante Moore specific in the in the first half of the podcast. Uh, and Matthew asked if C.J. Carr commits, which. He already has. Is ND still in it with Dante Moore? What What is your perspective on how Dante Moore's recruitment is affected by CJ Carr's commitment to Notre Dame?
1: So, coming from CJ's perspective, which is pretty much the what I can touch down, touch on, because I have not talked to anyone from Dante's camp about a twenty twenty four quarterback. Um, affecting his decision but this is something I talked with um, CJ about in April after his uh, spring visit and I included this in my beyond the decision story on Inside ND Sports when we touched on um, how Dante Moore and CJ Carr could kind of affect the uh, quarterback outlook for the recruiting classes at Notre Dame and this is uh, verbatim what CJ Carr told me um, on a high-profile 2023 20, quarterback choosing the same school as him. Uh, CJ says, I don't think it would affect it much. I'm not worried about where other people are going. I know my goal is to get around the best quarterback coach that I can be around, the best core- coordinator, and the best head coach. Wherever that may be, that's probably where I'll be going. So I followed up with asking him about Dante Moore, and they both play on the uh, same seven-on-seven team. He said they still had, they have a good relationship, but immediately he kind of turned the tide and said that he was just looking to continue to build a relationship with Notre Dame and um, coach Reese and coach Freeman and see if Notre Dame was the best fit from him. So I think coming from CJ's perspective, if Dante Moore were to still land in the class, I I don't think that would really affect anything with him um, at least from what he said about two months ago when I talked to him, but just trying to read in between the lines with Dante Moore and the way his recruitment has kind of been handled. I can see this um, car commitment, possibly rubbing him and his family a little bit the wrong way. Whereas, you know, Dante is pretty much taking this approach where, he has been the guy, you know, in his recruitment. I mean, he's really stretches out much longer than I think many people have have expected. I think probably much longer than what Notre Dame would have would have liked, which is why I think they're all in on C.J. Carr right now, and you very comfortable with him uh, coming in the class, regardless of how it affects Dante Moore. But you know, I I I think this, uh, you know. It's probably mostly spe- speculation for now with Dante Moore until we hopefully hear from him uh, in Las Vegas uh, at the uh, the camp out there. So hopefully we can get a little bit more clarity then. But just kind of looking at it from you know the outside looking in, I-, I am a little bit worried to see how CJ Carr's commitment. Affects Dante more. I I don't necessarily think this is going to be something they're thrilled about, and I, I I'll be looking forward to see you know how he kind of reacts to this this weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean I I it certainly I don't think it's going to make Moore's recruitment any easier. But I mean from my perspective, I think it's foolish to think that any of the other schools recruiting Dante more are just going to get some scrub in the 2024 class. If they get Dante more, they're going to be going after top quarterbacks in the 2024 class. Um, So I, I just, I think, I mean, we obviously want to hear from Dante what his perspective is. I mean, he has the right to believe whatever he wants to believe or, or uh, have that impact in whatever way he wants to. Um, And like you mentioned, we uh rivals hopes to speak to Dante during the seven on seven tournament in Las Vegas this weekend. Um, So we will ho- hopefully have some insight from Dante, um, later this week, um, inside Indy sports. Uh, it, I think pa- patience is sort of the, I think is what needs to be had here, both from Notre Dame side and from, uh, Dante Moore side. They need to sort of just like, okay, is this really that big of a deal? Like you mentioned there, Notre Dame went all in on CJ Carr, but they've been all in on Dante more previously. And, um, I mean, Notre Dame wants to be the best it can be and it needs to get the best quarterback it can get in every recruiting cycle. It shouldn't it shouldn't say, okay, CJ, we got you, so let's uh we're gonna we're gonna lower our bar in the 2023 class because we think you're so good. I just don't think that's a winning recipe. Notre Dame has has landed big time recruits before and they don't always pan out. and so that's why you need to have as many of them as you can get um, on an annual basis. So I, I, I just think that things need to play out here. I don't think anyone should be making any decisions right away. Um, now, maybe that's not what happens. Maybe some people, uh, whether it's Dante or Notre Dame, decide, hey, we 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 don't exactly like where things stand right now, um, so let's move on. But I, I just don't know. Like, I mean, Michigan, for instance, uh, rivals national recruiting analyst Adam Freeman just logged a future cast for 2024 quarterback Jaden Davis to Michigan, and he's just as highly – Uh, ranked and uh, sought after um, as CJ Carr is so I mean that's not to say that Dante Moore was going to end up at Michigan if that doesn't happen uh, Texas A&M Oregon LSU are all going after him I I just I just don't expect those teams to to sit on their hands now maybe they tell him that and get him in the class and then they go after their next quarterback Um, but I just feel like that that I would I would like to think that Moore's camp would be a little bit would be wise to that and, and understand that that's how the process is going to work. And I, I just don't think that um, the 2024 quarterback should impact the 2023 quarterback um, because at the best programs in the country, it's not going to, um, you're going to have to come in here and compete and um, get a spot. So we'll see how it all plays out, but I, I think Notre Dame still needs Dante Moore, and uh, we'll see how he feels about Notre Dame moving forward. Uh, another question we got from Twitter related to CJ Carr was from Rhino. Actually, it wasn't from Twitter. It was from the Insider Lounge. Rhino 1134 asked, how much of an effect could CJ Carr's commitment have on the skill player that ND is going after in the 2023 class? I know you spoke to that a little bit already, Kyle, but w- do you think that CJ will be able to make an impact with with the wide receivers or running backs or um, th- that that kind in the 2023 class and their name's still going after?
1: Oh, yeah. There's there's no doubt about it. and I mean, obviously, he's already touched on this, uh, talking about his decision on why he wanted to go to Notre Dame is to start building this recruiting class. And, you know, he already has a group chat with uh, Jack Larson, Cam Williams. uh, Williams, a 2024 receiver, Rivals 250 guy, close to the Rivals 100, actually. And, you know, one of the best receivers, not only in the Midwest, but in the entire class and obviously Jack Larson, one of the highly sought-after tight ends for Notre Dame, maybe one of the top guys on their board. Uh, They all camped together at the Irish Invasion on Sunday, and just watching them all interact, you know, they seem to hit it off really well. And they already have a group chat, and from what I'm told, that uh, CJ Carr is already recruiting the heck out of both of those guys. And that's not really a surprise, given their standing with Notre Dame and also the talent that they have, you know, going into their their junior seasons. And this is kind of something I, I began to see at the uh, Under Armour camp in March with CJ Carr. He had linked up with Nicholas Marsh, uh, another highly rated four-star wide receiver in the class, uh, who comes from River Rouge, Michigan. And you know, him and CJ kind of knew each other a little bit, being from the same state. But, um, you know, those two, they, they immediately had a great connection at Under Armour camp. I, I was really impressed by the the chemistry they had right off the bat, which I think is something that you've obviously touched on from seeing on Sunday with guys that he really hasn't played with before. So I, I definitely think without a doubt that C.J. Carr's presence is going to help add, you know, to the offensive uh Skill players on Notre Dame's roster for the 2024 class. Uh, another guy that I think could be really interesting is Ryan Wingo, who is a five-star, you know, a top five player in the class overall, the number one wide receiver. I talked to him a, a couple weeks ago, and he's a kid that's really interested in Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is recruiting him very hard already, Chancey Stuckey. Um, went down to visit him during the May evaluation period. I believe Tommy Reese was down there as well. So they've already made a big priority on him. And I think that it just, just in that recruitment alone, having CJ Carr already in the class could potentially play a big role. They also had uh, Bradell Richardson on campus, who I believe is a, like a top 40 prospect in the 2024 class, another highly rated four-star from Tampa, Florida, So Notre Dame is already taking a super strong approach at the skill positions in the 2024 class and having CJ Carr there is going to make a a big impact. I mean, there, there's been some speculation that maybe Jack Larson could make a decision sometime soon. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, he wants to see some games in fall in the fall and things like that, but I think having CJ Carr there is definitely going to help. And, You know, in talking to Cam Williams, this is a guy that he wanted to potentially expand his recruitment outside the Midwest this summer, but he's really narrowed things down lately. He's going to see Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, um, and Michigan this summer. And then after that, he pretty much said he's going to have a decent idea on where his recruitment stands, and he could see himself possibly making a decision either before or after his, his junior season. So I think Notre Dame's already in a great spot for him, for him. So you, we could potentially see an early payoff with CJ Carr uh, having an effect on the skill players in the class. And obviously that's a big reason why he decided to lock into his decision or so early.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's easy for him to impact the 2024 class, the 2023 class, Maybe a little bit more difficult. It might not be guys that he already has previous relationships with. Um, like like you mentioned at the invasion, there weren't 2023 20, uh targets there for him to to be interacting with. I, I'd be interested. I don't know. I haven't talked to CJ. I it wouldn't it would be beneficial for him to maybe get down on campus uh for one of these official visit weekends for that Notre Dame has coming up. I don't know if that's possible for him with his personal schedule, but um to to meet some of those 2023 20, wide receivers that Notre Dame is recruiting. Um, because I, I think I do think there's a chance he can make an impact there. I mean, I, I don't think it would be as big of an impact as if Dante Moore um, joined Notre Dame's class. Because I think just people that are in the same year will have that that kind of impact. But certainly, I mean, the the, the 2023 crews would, would be still willing to to answer CJ Carr's text messages and 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 have a relationship with him as well if if that's uh, something he engages with. So I think there's a chance that he could impact the 2023 class in addition to the
1: 2024 class. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. I just want to give one final note on CJ Carr that, I mean, he, he's a super personable kid. I mean, a a lot of the recruits, you know, they, they speak very highly of him. I know Cam Williams did um, Nicholas Marsh has in my conversation. So I I would not be surprised to see him uh, connect with 2023 guys, even there that they're a year older than him. I, I think that, he's he's going to make a a big impact regardless of where where he's at year wise and um, I I think that's another reason why Notre Dame felt so comfortable taking him this early on his recruitment despite like maybe a little bit of lack of experience Um, only starting one season obviously the intangibles are there the upside is there but I mean his personality is off the charts he comes from a great family Uh, I mean when I talked to him on the phone it sounds like the kid's already had, you know, five years of media training. And so it's it's really he's very, very well spoken. It's it's honestly super impressive. I, I'm almost curious to ask him if he has a media coach because he answers questions so well. So I that's another whole aspect of this recruitment is just his personality. I think it just fits perfect at Notre Dame.
0: Did, did you ask him about the potential to reclassify? I know that's been sort of people are curious about that. Uh, did that come up in any conversations you've
1: had with him? It did. And this, I asked him in uh, April. So I'm not sure if this is going to change, but uh, I'll just read you verbatim what he said. Uh, He said that is something that's in the cards for me at least, but I'm happy with where I am. I'm happy with the grade that I'm in. I won't be reclassifying. No, I have no interest in doing that. So I hope that ends the speculation there because people are, have been asking about it like crazy. Uh, I mean, obviously things can change. There's a long time from now uh, even to the 2023 signing period, but I don't expect him to reclassify.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think people are just curious about that because of the, obviously Notre Dame not having a 2023 quarterback. I mean, I would imagine something that's possible for him to to sort of work out if that was, Something he wanted to do, but I don't know that that's necess- necessary for him or for Notre Dame. Like, like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't think. I mean, I, for, to me personally, like, I, I mean, if, if it were my kid, like, I would be like, no, it take take advantage of your senior year of high school. Like that, I, it, it seems kind of crazy to me that people would skip their senior year of high school. But, um, I, uh, I mean, it's certainly feasible. Like it's not impossible to happen, but I don't know there's any sort of indication that that's in the works right now. So um, like you said, things could change, but um, that's not uh, exactly what we're expecting right now. Uh, Carr's commitment. Isn't the only news for Notre Dame this week. The Irish added a commitment from three-star offensive guard, Joe Odding on Tuesday, and we're expecting Notre Dame to receive another pledge on Friday. Uh, First, what, what are your thoughts on Odding as a player?
1: Yeah, just my first impressions of him. Just looking at pictures, is he he looks like a little smaller. Like he he has a thinner frame. Um, Rivals has him at two hundred seventy pounds, six foot four. I think that height's pretty accurate. But Joe's also a standout basketball player. I was going through his tweets to, uh, because sometimes you know those kids will retweet some accolades they have, or you know some impressive highlights, or. Uh, things of that nature, and you know, I I was going through all his tweets, and he was retweeting all his basketball games, and this kid was the leading scorer, uh, for like multiple his games. I mean, he was scoring over 20 points per game. So obviously, with him playing basketball, it, it's tough to keep a lot of weight on from that aspect. So that's why he could look um, a little bit thinner. He he also is a, a track and field athlete. I think he throws the the discus, shot put and I believe a hammer throw as well. So, I, I mean, during the track and field season, I know it, it offers a little more opportunity to get into the weight room, so you maybe be able to put a little bit of that weight back on. But in just comparing the two guys, both Midwest guards, but between him and uh, Austin Saraveld, who Notre Dame uh, was recruiting before he committed to Ohio State. I believe uh, I have his profile up here. Yeah, so Austin Saraville committed to Ohio State on May 4th, and this is a guy Notre Dame was a great spot for. They had a super good shot at getting him, just despite uh, obviously some home roots connections with Ohio State. But if I'm not mistaken, Notre Dame offered Joe Odding like within days after Cerevelle committed, to Ohio state. So just watching those two guys, um, I think Sereveld has got a little bit bigger of a frame. He holds his weight a little bit better. Uh, He's, he's more, he's got a better foundation and base, I think than Joe Otting. Um, But I mean, we're talking a guy about a kid that's going to be a rising senior here. So, so plenty of time to develop and add weight to his frame. But kind of just playing into that athleticism a little bit, I know you, you've talked about his film, uh, actually raved about his film, and <laughs> I, I think the one thing that stood out to me is his explosiveness off the ball. You can tell he's, he's a great athlete. He moves super well. So, I mean, his ranking isn't incredibly encouraging. Rivals doesn't list him as one of the top 250 players nor one of the top guards in the class. They do have him as a top offensive lineman in Kansas and a top 10 offensive guard in the Midwest. So he's, he's one of the top players here, you know, in Notre Dame's backyard. But I will be really interested to see how things can kind of uh, increase from a ratings aspect as his, uh, his junior or his senior year really uh, rolls around because I think this is a guy that Notre Dame is much higher on than most schools.
0: Yeah, I I, when Notre Dame offered him back in May, I was like, I, I really enjoy watching his highlight film. And I think I I, I mentioned I retweeted that uh, after he committed, because I, I think I think some people like assume or or wonder when a three star like Joe Odding commits to Notre Dame. And then we say good things about it. I was like, well, are you just saying that because he committed to Notre Dame? And I was like, well, no, I, I thought as soon as I watched his film, I was like, man, I like this kid. He. He's fun to watch. He's athletic. He's nasty. He gets after it. Um, I I think he's probably underrated. I obviously haven't spent as much time evaluating all the other offensive guards in the country. But um, to me, he he sort of reminds me of the kind of player who slips under the radar, ends up at Iowa um, and then becomes NFL draft pick. And everyone's like, well, where did Joe Oden come from? Um, Notre Dame found him. Um, Tommy Reese and Harry Heastan um, made it out to his school. Um, and I think I think it's a, a good pickup for Notre Dame. He, like you mentioned, he's not among the top thirty offensive guards on Rivals. But um, if I had to guess, I imagine that will change in the future as as we sort of as the rival staff continues to reevaluate recruits and, and pays maybe more attention. I don't know that uh, Kansas is an area that <laughs> that we spend a ton of time in as a rival staff. But uh, I, I I just think he he's the kind of player that here he, he stands I, I understand why Harry Heestand likes him. Like you mentioned, he's explosive off the snap. Um, the nasty streak that he plays with is something that you really like. And I just think he is a prospect that can be really molded into what uh, Harry Heestand wants his offensive lineman to become. So I think it's, it's a good pickup. I, I don't think anyone's going to be like, this is the most important guy in the class or the most important offensive lineman in the class. But um, I think he is a valuable asset to Notre Dame's recruiting class and uh um, I wouldn't let the three-star rating, which he's currently the only three-star commit in Notre Dame's class of 14 commits in the 2024 class or 2023 class. Uh, so he he's currently the lowest rated in the class, but I don't know that that's where he ends up or necessarily where he, how his career plays out either. Uh, lastly, before we get into more questions from listeners, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the official visitors that Notre Dame has coming in over the next 10 days, with two big, official visit weekends uh, uh, of those visitors. I and mean, we don't have to name all of them. If you want all that information, you can certainly read and subscribe to inside Indie sports where we always have a running visitors list on the insider lounge uh, of those visitors. Who do you think are the most important for the Irish to impress in the next 10 days or so?
1: Uh, do, do I get in trouble if I say all of them? i mean this this is an impressive group that they have on campus uh this weekend i think that these are guys that there's a a lot of competition in their recruitments and you know honestly just to make things easy i'm just gonna go one by one real quick i know Jaden osbury linebackers coming in he has connections at lsu and auburn also likes michigan notre dame's a good spot for him uh, Caleb Downs, he another super competitive recruitment. He, I think Notre Dame's official visit maybe came as a little bit of a surprise, but he was back for the spring game. It sounded like he had a good time. It sounds like Alabama and Ohio State may have uh, made a strong play, and Georgia has really, really hung around for him as well. So I, his recruitment is highly competitive, but I, I don't think Notre Dame can be counted out there with Marcus Freeman and Chris O'Leary. Rico Flores Jr., a top three, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Georgia. I I know Rico Flores, I mean, he literally tweeted out that, you know, Ohio State's going to be tough to beat, but I'm not exactly sure he's a take at Ohio State yet. Um, I think things could change if Carnell Tate wraps things up pretty soon and perhaps goes to Tennessee. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Also, Monroe Freeling, uh, you know, he released a top schools li- list recently. Uh, Georgia, Miami, uh, Clemson, some of the biggest targets there, but it sounds like Notre Dame has made a really, really strong play for him lately. Christian Gray, the cornerback, LSU, Notre Dame, C- seem to be the two schools battling there. Ohio State and USC also lurking. Uh, Ronan Hannafin is also another interesting one. Uh, his recruitment has really blown up this spring. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU have all offered. Um, I think that's a kid that is a good Notre Dame fit. I know back in March he went to unofficially visit Wisconsin, and he made a pit stop at Notre Dame on his way home to Massachusetts. So a lot of interest there. Uh, Jason Moore, the defensive tackle, you know, he's also another competitive prospect. I have a Rivals future casting for him uh, for Notre Dame to land uh, the one of the highly rated uh, defensive interior linemen in the class, but Ohio State is going to be one one to watch there with Larry Johnson, uh, one of the best defensive line coaches in the country, and he's coming off an official visit at Penn State. And then, lastly, Mike Atias, an athlete who Notre Dame is recruiting as a cornerback can also play wide receiver. Sounds like USC has made a strong impression with him. Oklahoma has been a team that is. Uh, really kind of lurked in his recruitment, but it seems like he may cool on him a little bit. And Arkansas is another name that has kind of been tied to him. So I, I, I'm not sure necessarily that uh, he, it was planned for me to run through each one of those guys, but I just wanted to kind of outline the recruitments because they're all super in c- competitive. But if I maybe had to pick three guys that I think are, are the most important visitors this weekend, I would say Jason Moore. Uh, Christian Gray and uh, Caleb Downs, you know, the, the safety thing for Notre Dame is a little interesting as Peyton Bowen has um, visited other schools. He was at Alabama unofficial. Um, he said that he wants to take official visits, but sounds like he hasn't set any up. And I think that may have uh, be, a, be a result on Notre Dame's stance on official visits for commits where, you know, they no longer, consider them committed if they take opposing official visits so depending on what happens with Peyton Bowen I think Caleb Downs would be a massive gift for Notre Dame I think you know he's coming from the Atlanta area obviously that's where Kyle Hamilton is from and I think that Caleb Downs coming to Notre Dame could really have a Kyle Hamilton uh, like impact and with Christian Gray you know I Notre Dame is pretty much desperate for cornerbacks especially top 100 cornerbacks, I I think that uh, off the top of my head, I mean, it's been a decent amount of time since they've landed a a top 100 guy. And Christian Gray is a guy that rose almost 40 spots, I think, in the updated rankings. Super talented, just uh, the definition of a a kid that fits personality-wise in Notre Dame. I mean, he's been to campus, I think, six or seven times now. So it's like, what are you waiting for? But – You know, LSU has made a a super strong play as his former high school head coach. Now the cornerback's coach there, Robert Steeples. But lastly, with Jason Moore, I mean, this is a kid that, you know, like I mentioned, one of the top players in the country at at the defensive line. And I think, Tyler, you've, you've done this significantly longer than me, but this defensive line class that Notre Dame has put together has just been outstanding. I think Jason Moore being the cherry on top would be huge for the Irish.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's. I mean, arguably, it would arguably would be the best Notre Dame defensive line class uh, of the rivals era, um, which began in twenty or two thousand two, um, and the best class. The only, the only class I think that's in competition with is the class that had Aaron Lynch and uh, Stefan Tuit and Ishak Williams in it. But I, I, I think I, I was sort of looking at the the two weekends together as. Uh, sort of, I mean, I, this is really going to go a long way in sort of shaping how the rest of the class turns out for Notre Dame. So, I I mean, any of the quarterbacks are important. Cornerbacks are important. Uh, I think Christian Gray is the most important, like you mentioned. He, he's he been to Notre Dame so many times. And like he, he also, he's, he's a good fit for Notre Dame and he's a t- talented quarterback, which is a position of need. And to lose him, I think, would be a big blow. So, sort of... Knocking things out of the park on his official visit this weekend would be, would be important. Um, the wide receiver position is obviously important to Rico Flores, Jaden Greathouse. I think those are the two that are, are the most likely to end up at Notre Dame. Um, so impressive visits there. I think Jeremiah love is another one that is very important for Notre Dame to make a good impression with, because I don't know that necessarily Notre Dame leads for him. Um, and I, I think, Obviously, Notre Dame wants to have a second running back in the class after um, Cedric Irvin left the class and Jaden Lamar entered the class. Um, and so if, if you're going to lose Cedric Irvin, I think you really need to add someone like Jeremiah Love and, uh, or Richard Young, which seems like much more of a long shot. But um, I think that Notre Dame would, would love to have Jeremiah Love in his class, who also had a big rankings increase. Um, in, the, in the rivals update this this past week and Jason Moore as, as well as another one that I think is very important just a, a real difference maker on the interior that Notre Dame has had some success with defensive ends in the past with recruiting but the success with defensive tackle recruiting has been much harder to come by so to get Jason Moore in the class would be would be very impressive all right now it's time for questions you can submit questions to us on Twitter or on the Insider Lounge message board for every podcast. I'm at TJamesND and Kyle's at by Kyle Kelly. First one we have is from the Insider Lounge from SJB 75 over under of three and a half verbal commitments in the 2023 class between the day you record this and July 7th, four weeks total. Would you choose over or under?
1: I'm going to go with over there. I think that the, uh, guess helping that number is Christian Gray is set to commit on July 4th. Uh, Micah Bell is June f- or excuse me July 1st and Rico Flores is, is July 3rd and I think Notre Dame is in a great spot with all those guys. Um, I think that they very well could all end up in the class. I'm pretty close to putting in a rival's future class or future cast for uh, Michael, Micah Bell. Uh, I listen to him on the Irish Players Club. This a couple of days ago, and he spoke very highly in Notre Dame. Really, only has I think a couple of, or Notre Dame and maybe Stanford are his only official visits. I know he likes Texas and Baylor, but it sounds like he's only going to take one other visit. and He's spoken very highly in Notre Dame, so I like him to end up in the class. Um, I think Jaden Greathouse is another player to watch. Uh, Notre Dame is a great spot with him. Uh, he is a top four, could possibly decide. I think before his senior season, maybe even in July, uh, I'm not a hundred percent convinced they hold off Texas for him, but I, I think he ends up ultimately winding in the clock, winding up in the class. And I also like uh, where Notre Dame at, is at with Elijah page. I talked to him after his uh, official visit this past weekend, he said, you know, he pretty much raved about Notre Dame. He, he really liked them before the visit it was his first trip to campus. And uh, he, he, really, really enjoyed his time there. He spent time with Tosh Baker, a former teammate of his or not necessarily teammate, but they went to the same high school um, in Arizona. So uh, with that said, I think Notre Dame has to have a a lot of things fall in their favor timeline wise, but I I think there's a good chance that coming out of these official visits, especially with next week and then following uh, that Notre Dame could really get uh, this class, a, a huge boost. And I, that's why I like going over three
0: and a half. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there's enough guys that are ready to wrap up their recruitment before July 7th that I think Notre Dame is in a good position with. Now, I don't know that everyone you listed is necessarily going to end up in Notre Dame's class, but I think they have a pretty good chance at most of those guys, so um, I will go over as well. I mean, we could also get someone that we don't necessarily have a, a locked-in decision date for or make a decision before July 7th because this is a time where kids want to get their decisions out of the way. Um, and sort of uh, relax going into their senior season. All right, next question is for Marie Biafore at Biafore underscore Marie. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being a sure thing, 1 being no chance, what is your confidence level on the following recruits? And we'll go one by one here because Marie listed a number of them. Um, Let's just go – because there's so many of them and we've talked about a lot of these recruits recruits already, let's just give the number, and I don't know that we need – necessarily much explanation unless there's something that you feel really compelled to say about, uh, a certain guy. Uh, first one is quarterback Dante Moore. Four. I have a four as well. I think, uh, that's lower than it was previously. And certainly like we talked about CJ Carr's recruitment, um, could it play a a role there? So yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with a four, uh, safety Caleb downs. Five. All right. I went the other way. I went with a three, Um, I I just think that the competition Notre Dame has there is pretty stiff. How about running back Richard Young? Two. We are in agreement there. That seems like the longest shot of any of the ones that we have on the list here. Next, defensive end or linebacker Samuel Mpemba? Six. Okay, you're a little bit more confident than I am. I went with a four there as well. Uh, How about offensive tackle Charles Jaggersaw? Seven. Uh, I have the same number there, seven as well. I think he could end up in Notre Dame's class. How about running back Jeremiah Love? Also a seven. I, I'm less convinced I have him at a five currently. How about linebacker Jaden Osbury? Five. Uh, I'm in agreement there. I have a five as well for him, so Love and Osbury both at fives. How about wide receiver Rico Flores Jr.?
1: This is uh, one of my top ones, but I, I have a nine right now.
0: Okay, wow, going going high there. I, I went with a seven, um, which is the second highest ranking I have or rating I have for any of these guys. So that's the same, same level of confidence I have for Charles Jaguza. Uh Next is defensive tackle Jason Moore, eight. All right, I have a seven there as well. How About cornerback Christian Gray, seven. I am in agreement there with the
1: seven. Cornerback Micah Bell. I mentioned earlier getting close to that Rivals Future cast, so I have him at a 9. Okay,
0: yeah, I have him at an 8, which is the highest of any of the the ratings I have. How about cornerback Micah Tease? Five. I have a five as well. And then lastly, athlete Ronan Hanifin.
1: Boy, this recruitment has got a lot more competitive than I think (laughs) many may have expected, but I'll put him as an 8 for now.
0: I have them as an eight as well. So a number of guys there that think we have we think we believe Notre Dame has a really good chance for. I had one, two, three, four, five, six of those guys with sevens or higher. Um, and I would and essentially like the way I was thinking about sevens are guys that I think will probably end up in Notre Dame's class. So um, so I think from that list, there's a lot of guys that could end up committing to Notre Dame. And certainly some of those guys that are lower numbers could increase after official visits this month. All right, next question we have is from at JeffNDFan. How does Notre Dame get to the 85-man scholarship limit? Do they h- ask someone to leave, or maybe they're already aware of a medical retirement or upcoming transfer? Um, Notre Dame is currently at 86 scholarships. This is something Eric Hansen and I have talked about previously, and it seems unlikely that Notre Dame will add anyone at this point. I think the easiest solution to get down to 85 would be to either not give a walk-on who was awarded a scholarship in a previous year like Matt Salerno for the season or potentially converting uh, Ron Paulus to a non-scholarship player, I, I, I think there's a way that he can uh, have a, a – I don't know what the right rate discount or some sort I don't know the exact policy, but the fact that his dad is uh, in the athletic department staff at Notre Dame, I think uh, um, there should be a way to to work around that potentially – um, but that's only if there aren't any medical retirements in the work I don't know of any currently there certainly could be um, and there has been in the past so we'll see what happens there but I, I wouldn't be too concerned about Notre Dame not getting to that 85 man. Limit. Next question yeah. is from Nathan
1: go ahead. Oh yeah I just want to say I, I'm in agreement with you there um, I think that if anyone probably Ron Paulus as well so I, I think that although it may be uh, from the outside looking in, maybe it's a little bit difficult, but I think Notre Dame can have no problem doing that.
0: Next question is from Nathan Reynolds at Enforcers twenty one seventeen. Is Notre Dame looking at any other wide receivers? I heard the guy from Iowa ended up picking Purdue. The ND was after, and that is correct. Charlie Jones is who Nathan is referring to. He indeed committed to Purdue. Um, I haven't heard anything uh, uh, about other wide receivers currently. And June worker workouts are already underway the incoming freshman will be getting to campus soon um so it just seems very unlikely to me that Notre Dame adds wide receiver at this point I, I would never say never um because the need is there certainly but um there just hasn't been a match in terms of guys that Notre Dame can get to come here and someone that wants to come here so I think uh it's looking like Notre Dame's gonna be stuck with what it has at the wide receiver position going into the 2022 season Next question is from Cheryl Russo at Cheryl R. bunch of numbers. Any updates on the injured players? Um, certainly there are a number of injured players that missed time in the spring um, and Notre Dame, like I mentioned, is just getting back on campus this week. So hopefully we start to hear more updates soon. I, I've heard good things about where Jarrett Patterson is in his recovery. Um, I think Jason Adam, Cam Hart, Avery Davis are all in, are all in good spots. I think they were making good progress. I haven't heard anything on Joe Wilkins jr. Um, who obviously is dealing with the foot injury from the spring, uh, or Logan Diggs, who had the shoulder injury in the blue-gold game. I think those are probably the two guys who I think could miss the season opener um, that are of consequence. Um, That's sort of my personal projection and not necessarily something I've heard lately, like, hey, don't expect those guys to play. But I think those are the two that are the the most questionable in terms of their ability to, to play in the season opener.
1: Yeah, lots of good news with uh, Tyler Buckner as well. He uh, had that ankle brace on, missed a spring game, and saw him at the Irish Invasion. And if you are a subscriber to In- Inside ND Sports, you would have gotten this information on the uh, Insider Lounge days ago, but Buckner no longer wearing that ankle brace and seems to be walking plenty fine on that ankle.
0: Yeah, that wasn't necessarily a surprise, but I figured people would, would want to know. I didn't watch him. Yes. Uh... Walk any stairs, so I don't know how he's handling stairs, but uh, he seemed he seemed to be doing just fine. So that that concern um, is no longer there. Though it was a bummer that we didn't get to see him in the blue gold game. Next question from the Insider Lounge from BCND: Jack Kaiser and Riley Mills are two front seven starters that I see as potential All America caliber guys in 2022. Yet they are relatively anonymous outside of ND Nation. Kaiser, in my opinion, reads slash cleans up against the run as well as anyone. And Mills looks to have an outlier combination of strength and motor. Am I way off here? Uh, I think BCND is a bit off there at talking about them as potential All Americans. I think that's quite a high bar for those guys to clear in 2022. Um, Mills hasn't even been a starter yet, so there would be no reason for him to be on the national radar. Um, Jack Kaiser certainly played a lot last year. Um, and, uh, I think it's more attainable for Jack Kaiser, who I think had a good season last year and, and could be used in some interesting ways by Al Golden. I'm certainly probably as high on Riley Mills as anyone. I was I was gushing about him last preseason after seeing him do some impressive things at practice, and he didn't necessarily match that during the season. Um, but I, I still think he has a bright future. Uh, but it would, it would be quite the leap for him to jump into All-American category, especially on the defensive line when you're playing with – Isaiah Foskey, who would be a favorite to be a, an All-American at some point. So for Notre Dame to have two All-Americans on the on the defensive line, I mean, that would be that would mean some good things for how the 2022 season played out. But uh, I think that expecting them as potential All Americans would be um, getting a little bit ahead of yourself. Next question is from at D.O. Carroll one. How many games lower is Andy's hypothetical floor this year due to Marcus Freeman being a first year coach? and the unproven kicking situation.
1: Well, I think I'm a little bit more, well, I guess, let me rephrase, because there's a ton of people that are super high on Marcus Freeman. I think that the fiesta was, (laughs) that was just crazy still thinking about that, the differences in the two halves. And uh, I I think Notre Dame, their their floor this season, I really do think it's nine wins. Um, obviously, USC will be interesting at the end. Ohio State is going to be a gauntlet week one. And, uh, you know, Clemson is kind of a dark horse. I mean, they didn't really play super well last year, but, you know, D- Dabble Swinney is obviously an outstanding coach. Uh, and, you know, the last time they, they came into South Bend, that was a, a bloodbath. I mean, that was pretty <laughs> much the, the best game that uh, the starting quarterback, D.J. Uh, Ungalale I mean, I think he threw for over 400 yards has to be a career high. I, I should probably check that, but I I'm pretty optimistic about Notre Dame heading into the season. I think quarterback question and how Tyler Buckner or perhaps even drew pine is, uh, as a starter and, you know, Buckner has to stay healthy as well. But I, I think, uh, just being an observer at practice and watching this coaching staff, I've been really impressed. I think keeping Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator who recruited uh, Tyler Bruckner to South Bend and obviously Reese is high on him. I think that was super important, but also um, I've been really impressed with Al Golden as a defensive coordinator coming from the, the NFL uh, for you know, being there for six years, obviously former head coach at Temple in Miami. I, I just, I, I, I think there's a lot to like about what he's going to bring to the defense and mentoring Marcus Freeman as a first time head coach and kind of going along with the special teams there. I mean, the kicking situation is obviously not ideal. The one full practice viewing that we got to look at um, just from my recollection, there was nothing that was incredibly glaring. um, But I wrote a story afterwards after talking to Brian Mason with reporters and he said that um, it may become a situation where he uses uh, the kickers, you know, situation dependent. So, you know, some guys would, you know, maybe kick for longer field goals or, you know, depending on the conditions, sort of things. And I don't think that's necessarily something you would like to hear. I think if you're going to have a kicker, it's kind of like a quarterback. You want one guy. Um, I think Notre Dame is a pretty good walk on coming in. So that could get interesting, but um Obviously, kickers play a big role in the win totals. This is something I've found out the hard way as a Browns fan. Since Phil Dawson has left, even <laughs> though even though the Browns didn't win many games with Phil Dawson, but I've seen that Browns lose uh, a couple games uh, recently because of their kicker situation. But I, I'm pretty confident uh, from the coaching staff aspect uh, with Notre Dame coming in this season. Kicker, not so much.
0: Yeah, so you said the floor, in your opinion, was nine wins. I, I, I put it at eight and four, um, and sort of my logic was that the floor is potentially lower by like two games um, by with the combination of Marcus Freeman and the unproven kicking situation. I think if Brian Kelly was the coach and Jonathan Doerr was the kicker, I, I'd, I'd be probably more comfortable saying the floor was something like 10 and two, whereas with the current situation, um i i'm predicting i would say the floor is eight and four now i'm not saying that's what i expect them to do that's that's how probably that's like as worse as i would imagine they're gonna do because i i think the defense is going to be really good there's certainly questions about the offense um but marcus freeman is inexperienced and that could lead to Andy losing a game it probably shouldn't lose or sort of like it lost a game in the fiesta bowl that it, it shouldn't have lost so brian Kelly had figured out how to avoid in the back half of his Notre Dame tenure, those losses to teams that Notre Dame shouldn't lose to. Um, But those happened um, probably more than anyone wanted um, early on in his career. So I'm not sure that there's for as good as Marcus Freeman is as a recruiter and a leader, I think there's going to be some learning curve there for him as a head coach and a chance for the for Notre Dame to maybe slip on up on something where he maybe could have put Notre Dame in a better position. So, um, and obviously a close game, and I imagine Notre Dame is going to play potentially a couple of those this year, could be could be swayed by um, an, an inaccurate kicker. So I, I still don't think like <laughs> kicking, I mean, kickers can look terrible, and then all of a sudden when it matters, make it when it matters. So like Jonathan Dor wasn't always the most reliable kicker for Notre Dame, but he made some game winning kicks. And that's, I mean, that's where he made the biggest difference for Notre Dame last season. Um, And so if if Blake Groupie or Josh Bryan can do that for Notre Dame this season, then um, then that's that's what you need from them. Like, obviously, you don't want I mean, it's not ideal going into Ohio State without a proven kicker, although I would say Blake Groupie is is probably more of a proven kicker than people are probably giving him credit for. But just because he's had we saw him miss in the in the blue gold game. But um, he was a he was a pretty reliable kicker during his Arkansas State career. All right. Last question we have is from Derek Gerber at Gerbs Irish O2. I know we still have a little over two months, but who are your key players for Notre Dame to have to play their absolute best game in order to steal the season opener in Columbus?
1: Boy, what a a game for Tyler Buckner to potentially walk out as the uh, week one starter. I mean, or walk in to Ohio stadium as a a week one starter. I mean, I, I have a, a lot of friends that went to Ohio state and, being from Toledo, I'm just (laughs) kind of surrounded by Ohio state fans and they are foaming at the mouth to play Notre Dame. And I think Notre Dame, there's a lot of excitement around that game. Uh, Obviously there's a little bit of a rivalry there. Marcus Freeman coming, you know, former Ohio state player, obviously James uh, Laurinaitis graduate assistant was former Buckeye. There's, there's a lot of Ohio state connections at, at Notre Dame right now. So that I mean, the the storylines going into that game are, are just going to be incredible. I mean, Marcus Freeman's essentially his first game as head coach. I mean, the Fiesta Bowl obviously was, but, you know, starting fresh and new season, week one going into primetime at Ohio Stadium. I mean, tickets for that game, I think you're, you're not getting in there for under $350 <laughs> unless you have a great, great connection. But in, in terms of players that need to play well, I think Buckner is the most obvious one, but – Uh, Just watching Ohio State last year, especially in the bowl game, to conclude the season, season, I mean, what C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba did, uh, I think it was in the Rose Bowl. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, C.J. Stroud, I think, is the best quarterback in the country as far as NFL draft prospect. Uh, Obviously, Bryce Young won the Heisman, but I think Stroud is super impressive. And that Notre Dame – or excuse me, that Ohio State receiving core – is just absolutely ridiculous. So with that said, I think the secondary as a whole is going to have to play outstanding to slow those guys down. Um, and where Notre Dame can take an advantage is Ohio State has a lot of question marks on the offensive line. Um, they've lost some guys. They're uh, moving some guys around. Um, they have a new offensive line coach in Justin Fry. So I think this would be a, a big-time game for Isaiah Foskey to get in the backfield you know, C.J. Stroud, um, not really seen as like a dual threat quarterback. I mean, he can move, but I think Foskey wrecking havoc will be huge for Notre Dame if they if they want to upset Ohio State week one.
0: Yeah, that's something Michigan was able to do when it beat Ohio State towards the end of the season. Um, and uh, I, I, I agree like. I limited myself to five players and I very well could have just picked Notre Dame's top two safeties and top three corners and and been comfortable with that in terms of playing their best games. Um, But I I did, not I only picked three. I picked Clarence Lewis, Tariq Bracey and Brandon Joseph from the secondary. Um, I think obviously Cam Hart needs to play well, but I think he has the potential to play well consistently. Um, And so I didn't include him on this group because I I think especially with Ohio State's receivers, Some of the the slot concerns are important, so that's a big reason Tariq Bracy made the list. Um, and then uh, the two other guys you mentioned, Tyler Buckner uh, as the starting quarterback, as we believe, uh, needs to have a huge game. Um, and Isaiah Foskey needs to, to wreck things for CJ Stroud, as you mentioned. So, I, not a lot of like. Uh, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's not like uh, like you need your quarterback to play well. You need to, you need. Uh, your secondary and your pass rush to, to perform against what we expect Ohio state to be. So um, for as many storylines and question marks that we have going into the game about how Notre Dame will perform, I think it's pretty obvious about who needs to perform well um, for Notre Dame to win that game. All right. That's it for today's episode of the inside Indy sports podcast. If you don't already, you can subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, and other popular podcast platforms. If you like what you hear, Give us a star rating, leave a review, and share our podcast feed with a friend. We should have a couple more podcasts this month and likely we'll record next week, and hopefully we can get our schedules aligned to get Eric back on the show. Um, I imagine that will be the case. But thank you to Kyle for ably filling in. We'll certainly be hearing more from him. But until next time, stick with InsideIndieSports.com for your Notre Dame coverage needs.